one chapter, John's Gospel, in particular with his folks that we had two years ago, um, seeing what Jesus sees. And this morning I want to suggest that Jesus sees false shepherds. The interaction that uh, he's had over the last couple of weeks has been with the false shepherds of the day, the priests and the um, religious leaders who are trying to impose a um, law-based religion on the people of Israel. And so Jesus is in this uh, strong discussion, if not argument, with them about what is true, what is true. These men claim to be the spiritual guides of Israel but from what we've seen already in, this, in chapters uh, 8 and 9, they themselves have robbed the people of the spiritual life that they could have. They were false prophets, false shepherds and they were similar to those of the Old Testament that, that led people away from God rather than towards God. Sadly, uh, we're going to read this passage and I haven't got it in my notes, so I'll have to follow up there. Uh, this passage is John chapter 10, verses 1 to 21. If you've got them with your, with your Bible there, uh, read through. And this is what it says. I'm sure this is a familiar passage to us all. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Isn't that special that he calls us by name? He calls his sheep by name. Verse 4, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Did you hear that? Knowing the voice of Jesus. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognise a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, trying to get the message through, I tell you the truth, I am the gate of the sheep or the door for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. May have life and have it abundantly is another translation. I am the good shepherd, verse 11 says. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep and that's what we've been thinking of this morning with the Lord's Supper. Verse 12, the hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. All these words, at these words the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. I think we've heard that before somewhere in John's Gospel, haven't we? Why listen to him? Verse 21, but others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? If you recall, that was the previous week. 
Some powerful words, again, from Jesus to the religious leaders of the day and to us. They're words of warning to us that we should be able to watch out for false shepherds. And there are some guidelines in this passage that we can measure so-called shepherds or teachers or prophets or whatever by that will give us some confidence that who we're listening to are seeking to teach us the truth. Sadly, sadly I say this, there's been corruption of God's plan throughout the whole history of our world, hasn't there? There's been corruption of God's plan in all denominations, in all religions, in all countries, in all times. And corruption of God's plan happens when religion replaces a relationship with God. Have you seen that? Do you know some people that are living that out? Doing all the right things, all the religious things, but don't have a personal and intimate relationship with the living God. Corruption happens when pride replaces gratitude for God's grace. When I did it my way takes the place of God did it his way in my life. And corruption happens when there's a hunger for power which replaces that desire to serve. Next year in 2022, Queensland Baptists as a denomination across the state have an underlying theme in what they're encouraging in churches and something we can pick up on and, and run with or not. But it talks about servant leadership. That's what Jesus showed. Sadly, the Pharisees and the religious leaders were not showing that servant leadership. They were showing a dictatorial or a controlling leadership. We have to be careful that the leaders we look up to are servant leaders, are shepherds of the sheep, not controllers. So I want us to think about the illustrations that Jesus was using and I did a search for some of these uh, sheep pens and I thought, gee, I've never really looked into that before. What do they look like? And so uh, they didn't show too many of Israel and certainly Israel doesn't always look green like that. But I found one, one of Israel, similar to the days of when Jesus was using this illustration to communicate to the listeners and to the false shepherds what true shepherds should be. At night, the flocks were brought into this sheep pen, usually made of stones gathered from around about, that the, the fields around about, and one of the sheep or a designated gatekeeper would stand in the gate. Sometimes they had a swing gate that they closed or, or they would sleep in that gate to keep the sheep in during the night and to keep any uh, robbers or predators out during the night. And, but I never did find what, what happened to the shepherds I'm not sure if they camped around the outside as well or if they went home for the night. I don't think so. I think they must have camped there as well. But it was one person's job to look after the sheep in there. And they were generally protected. This is actually one in modern day Israel today. So they're still around and, and I'm pretty sure there's sheep in there and not goats. Okay? So um, uh, they still use them for that means of containing their small flocks and for keeping them together. There's a story about two men who were in a Bible study group in a large classroom and they were looking at Psalm 23, which we're going to look at towards the end of this message today. One of the men was asked to recite Psalm 23 and this fellow was an accomplished orator. You know, he was used to public speaking and um, trained in speech technique and, and drama. So he repeated the psalm in a powerful way. And when he finished, the audience cheered and they, they asked for an encore that they might hear him say the psalm again. Can you imagine that? The second fellow, 
He was a little bit older and he repeated the same words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, all the way through to the end of the psalm. But when he finished, there was no sound. No sound came from that Bible study group or that large class. Instead, people sat in a deep mood of devotion and prayer. Then the first man, the public orator, he stood to his feet and he said this, I have a confession to make. The difference between what you have just heard from my old friend and what you have heard from me is this, I know the psalm, my friend knows the shepherd. Pretty powerful stuff, eh? We can say the words, but do we know the one that the words are about? And Jesus used that same style of teaching to teach the false shepherds and the people who are listening what a good shepherd is and what a good shepherd does. He said this very thing, I am the good shepherd. Can you take Jesus for his word? Yes, you can. I am the good shepherd, he says. He says that to you and me today. That if we want someone to lead us and guide us and like Psalm 23 says, Uh, lead us into those places where we can feed and rest and all the rest. He is the one that we should be looking to. Not to our own devices, even though we have the ability to think and reason and all those sort of things. But he is the one that we should be listening to, the Good Shepherd. What does the Good Shepherd do? Psalm 100 says this, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us and we are his, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Some of us don't like to think of ourselves as sheep. Over the years I used to preach that sheep were pretty dumb and they had to be told where to do. But a shepherd actually spoke to me one time and I think I've used his name before, Alistair Mackay from the Isle of Skye in, in, in Scotland. He said, don't you be fooled, shepherd, uh, sheep are some of the smartest animals I know. And so I've stopped using that illustration now. But we are the sheep. We are the sheep of his pasture. And God provides us with the true shepherd, the good shepherd in Jesus. Isaiah 40 verse 11 says, He, God, will feed his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. The picture I always remember is Jesus with the sheep over his shoulders, the the lost sheep, the 99 are safe in the paddock and he goes looking for the lost sheep. Psalm 95 verse 7 says, For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Why do you think... Jesus used this illustration about sheep. Why does he liken us to sheep? Well, there are some fairly good reasons. Sheep are uh, prone to wonder. You know, if they're not given some direction or they're not given the encouragement by the nipping, yapping sheepdog, then they will wander off into places they shouldn't go, whether it be the creek bed or the, or the, or the um, uh, uh, weeds and the thorns. We are like sheep, aren't we? God, and in fact, I was just talking with Kath this morning, as you read the Old Testament, God gave people guidelines for living. He said, you do this and you'll be blessed. You don't do this and you'll be judged. What did people do? They went their own way, didn't listen to God. And what are people still doing today? God gives us the guidelines for life in his word, in the Lord Jesus Christ, and people still choose to go their own way. We need a shepherd to guide us, just like sheep do. We we need to flock together or we flock together. We can flock together so that the wolves won't affect us. So yes, we can be likened to sheep. What else do sheep do? 
Sorry. One skip ahead. Sheep listen to the voice. In Jesus' day, not so much in our day because we have these massive herds of sheep or flocks of sheep, but in Jesus' day where the flocks were small, they would listen to the shepherd's voice. They would know his voice above every other voice. They would listen attentively and then they would obey. That's what we should do, isn't it, as sheep? He brings out his own sheep. He goes before them. And I guess in that verse he was really digging it a bit to the Pharisees because they weren't going ahead of the people. They were telling the people what to do and then punishing them and criticising them when they didn't. For they know his voice. Do you know the voice of Jesus today? When you read God's word every day, when you're sitting still and asking questions of God, do you know Jesus' voice? Do you know Jesus' voice? I found this illustration that, uh, of a man in, in Australia who was arrested and charged with stealing a sheep, just one sheep. He claimed emphatically that it was one of his own sheep and that the sheep had been missing for quite a few days and he'd been out looking and finally found him, but on, the sheep was on somebody else's property. When the case went to court, the judge was puzzled not knowing how to decide the matter because the sheep wasn't branded or anything like that, wasn't tagged or branded. At last he asked that the sheep be brought into the courtroom. Then he ordered the plaintiff to step outside and call the animal. The sheep made no response except to raise its head and look a bit frightened in the courtroom. Then the judge instructed the defendant to go down into the courtyard outside and call the sheep like he normally calls the sheep on his small sheep farm. When the accused man began to make his distinctive call, anybody want to have a go? No? The sheep bounded out the door, down the stairs, towards its owner. Case closed. Do we do that? Are we listening to the voice of Jesus? Or are we listening to so many voices, whether it be internet preachers or video preachers or whatever, that we can't hear the voice of Jesus? Have we given up time in God's word for time on the internet or watching videos? We need to be careful that we're listening to the voice of Jesus. This was an allegory or a a figure of a speech or a, a story that had that hidden meaning of what the people should be looking for in a good shepherd and what they weren't seeing in the false shepherds. He goes on to say that, oh, oh yeah, I've just jumped ahead. I am the door or the gate for the sheep. Same word. The religious leaders of that day had, as it were, excommunicated the newly healed blind man. They said, get out, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, you're saying that this guy healed you, how can it be? They were, as it were, slamming the door of God in his face not opening the door to God. Do you know what? I wonder if they realised that they'd freed him, that blind man, from the regulations, the restrictions, the rules that prevented him from knowing God personally and gave him the freedom to find out who Jesus was and follow him. They probably didn't realise that. The Bible tells us in verses uh, 9 and 10 that Jesus is the one who will lead us in and out and into the pastures. He will find green pastures. 
Jesus will give us that spiritual nourishment. That's not what the false leaders of Jesus' day were doing. They were building their own pride and ego up and their own place in society. They weren't there to serve the people that they were supposed to care for. As the door, Jesus decides who enters the family of God and who doesn't. And what's the only way of entering into the family of God? Through faith in Jesus alone. So he keeps the wolves out, he keeps the thieves out, he keeps the robbers out and he allows those who come in to be saved. As the door, he gives salvation, he gives security, he gives satisfaction to everybody who enter there. What do the thieves do? Verse 10 says, the thief comes or the robber comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Have you seen that in the world today? I don't know how many famous people you follow. I'm not a Facebook fan, so I don't have a lot of famous people that I follow. But over the years, I've prayed for some famous people that God might touch their lives and that they might use their gifts and skills and abilities to proclaim the good news of Jesus and the kingdom of God rather than being selfish. Sadly, most of those people haven't changed. But I still pray for them. And one person that caught my eye, he's a person of history, he's not living so I can't pray for him, but I looked at his lifestyle and I thought, what potential this fellow could have had if he was somebody who surrendered to Jesus. You may, know, you may have heard of him. Um, okay, it's based on this. There's a play by a guy called uh, Dante, his divine comedy, and he's got this over the gravestone. Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. I wonder if us have abandoned some hope in our lives. I know lots of famous people have. They might have the riches, they might have the wealth, they might have the fame, but how many are struggling with hope for the future and purpose for the present in their lives? There may be folk in our church here today that are struggling with some things. Maybe there's a, an addiction that you're finding hard to walk away from. Maybe there's a job that you're struggling with. Maybe there's a relationship that you would love to see healed and yet you've got no hope about it. I want to tell you that that sign should change. Instead of being this, it should be gain all hope, ye who enter here, when you come through Jesus the door. We should have that sign up. Like I said, There are famous people in our world that don't have that hope. One person that I looked into was this fellow. Uh, Where are we? Keep on going. It'll get there. I'm jumping ahead. Lost it. I'll go back. It says there, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. One fellow that I looked at was uh, Howard Hughes. Do you remember Howard Hughes? Uh, He's a man from history these days. He uh, wanted more and more money in his life. He became a billionaire through um, investments, wise investments and and purchasing of of businesses. But he soon became disillusioned with that and he got into all sorts of awful stuff, sensual pleasures, um, he he became a recluse and he ultimately died on his own. So sad. I believe that's a classic example of the thief who comes to steal, kill and destroy. Let me tell you an example of someone who follows Jesus the Good Shepherd. Richard Letourneau was an inventor. 
he invented lots of, he had lots of ideas for machinery and uh, when he went to patent them, somebody had jumped in and, and put the patent in ahead of him. Then he became a Christian, he became a follower of Jesus and every, every invention he, he invented after that he committed to God and said, God, you do whatever you want with this invention. And his world took off. He became a billionaire because God had blessed him. But you know, he and his wife lived on 10% of their income and gave away 90% of their income. The thief and the robber had no choice, had no chance of stealing the creativity, the giftedness, the intelligence from this guy because they had surrendered to Jesus. And he was the, the door or the gate that they went through into that safety. The enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. His minions are out there and they wear the guise of false shepherds. So we have to be careful that when we listen to people and watch people that they're not building up their own empires, that they're preaching the kingdom of God and seeking to humbly serve the kingdom of God. We need to beware of the thieves. We need to beware of the strangers. We need to beware of the robbers. And Jesus calls them the hired men. We need to be careful that they're... Uh, uh, are not false shepherds and that they are certainly guiding, nurturing and guarding the sheep. That's what a good shepherd does. John uh, used the term good shepherd. I think it's in this next one. I am the good shepherd, verse 14 says. What does this word mean? Good means beautiful. We've sung about Jesus. What a beautiful name. What a wonderful name. What a powerful name. It has that Background to it of someone who is uh, attractive because of who they are, not because of what they look like. Someone who is truthful, virtuous. Someone who is a, a model of what we could aspire to. That's that term good. The goodness of a shepherd is that he does not spare himself for the sake of the sheep. Jesus said, I lay down my life for the sheep. We have remembered that this morning. Verse 16 is interesting. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. Do you know who he was talking about? He was talking about the Gentiles. He was talking about you and me. Because originally he was talking to the Jews and they knew what shepherds were about. But now he's saying I have sheep from another pen. But look, look at what's going to happen. I must bring them also. So Jesus wants to bring us into his fold. They too will listen to my voice. That's us. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. No divisions in the kingdom of God. Paul echoes that in Ephesians. He says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves a circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men. And the next one. Well, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. That's what Gentiles were. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Verse 14, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. 
and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. We are one in Christ. We have one good shepherd. We have one true shepherd. The Old Old Testament says that the true shepherd is one who dies for his sheep. I wonder, do you know that shepherd today? John, uh, in verse 18, says, No one takes it from me, talking about his life, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. And I wonder if you know that he's done that for you. There was mixed reactions to his words, wasn't there? As always, the leaders of the day were feeling challenged by what he had to say because he was really pointing the words to them, at them. And so the reactions were one of um, calling him a demonic possessed person again and raving mad. I wonder, would people call us raving mad if we said to them, there's only one true good shepherd that we should follow? I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. How do you recognise that you're following the true shepherd, do you know his voice? Do you recognise his voice? Does he speak to you by name? Does he show you intimacy? Does he lead you when you ask him to? Do you know his voice? There are some of us that are called to be shepherds. You don't always have to be a pastor to be a shepherd. But there are some that are called and gifted to be shepherds. And there's a challenge here for us, a challenge here for me. The question is, how does my leadership, how does the leadership of other pastors or pastorally gifted people show with the characteristics that Jesus has shown in this passage? Are we self-sacrificing? Are we willing to lay our lives down for the sake of people that God has put in our, in our care? I want to read Psalm 23 to you this morning as we close. And it's out of the Message Bible. So that's a slightly different um, uh, twist to the normal words that we would hear, but have a listen to it as we go. It says, God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. That's an interesting way of putting Psalm 23, isn't it? What does Psalm 23 say to us? It says, the Lord is my shepherd. That's about relationships, isn't it? It's about a personal and intimate relationship with the living God. I shall not want. That's about everything will be supplied to us that we need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That means he supplies rest when we need it. He leads me beside the still waters. That's refreshment. He restores my soul. Don't we need healing of the soul regularly? He leads me in paths of righteousness. That's God's guidance for us. 
He won't lead us in paths of unrighteousness, by the way. For his name's sake, he has a purpose and a plan for each one of us. For you are with me. God said, I'll be with you. That's showing his faithfulness to his promises. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's discipline. Sometimes I wish I had a shepherd's crook. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's hope. You anoint my head with oil. That's consecration. We are set aside for a purpose. My cup runs over. We will, our needs will be met abundantly. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's a blessing, isn't it? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Sorry, dwell in the house of the Lord, that's security. Forever, that's eternity. So my question to you this morning, in looking at false shepherds and true shepherds, is right back to that first story I told about the two orators. Do you know the psalm or do you know the shepherd today? Jesus didn't uh, get into that sticky situation with the religious leaders uh, to go against their agenda of control of the um, Jewish nation. He chose to go there. He chose to sacrifice his life selflessly so that we would accept what he did for us. Not just us, but people over the years who've come to faith in Jesus. It's a 2,000 year old story, isn't it? The story of a shepherd so supremely good that nothing stood in the way of his love for his sheep. Not even his own life. That's how you tell the difference between good shepherds and false shepherds. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the voice of Jesus. I thank you for the words of Jesus that we've been able to read today. I thank you for the attitude of Jesus. He is the good shepherd who will give his life and has given his life for the sheep. Father, thank you that those of us who have accepted that know the reality of all those promises that are contained in Psalm 23. Know the reality of what a good shepherd looks like what he says, how he lives his life. And Father, I pray that if you lead us to be shepherds of your people, to care for one other person, to disciple one other person, that we might show the same attitudes and characteristics that Jesus shows as the good shepherd. Father, help us to discern those that are false shepherds, those that have got their own agenda, those that are trying to take us away from following the one true God. Give us that discernment, we pray. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for your guidance that comes from the Good Shepherd. We praise you for that today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Sean.